All right. Uh, hello and welcome again to another episode of Letter of Law Interviews. My name is Sarthak Bharadwaj. And in the fourth episode of this interview series, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in conversation with Mr. Aditya Manubarwala. Uh, when I was preparing for this interview, it was actually quite difficult for me to uh, fathom how to properly introduce Sir. Because the list of his achievements will take several minutes for me to recite properly. So I'll try to be as brief as possible and hopefully I don't miss out on some things. If I do, sir, feel free to, you know, uh, stop me and point it out. Currently, sir is an LLM student at Cambridge University. Before that, he was a law clerk come research assistant at the Supreme Court of India. Interestingly, sir is the youngest Indian to have ever deposed before a parliamentary committee. He did that at the age of 19. He's also the incumbent global peace ambassador appointed by Sri Lanka to India. And uh, he has also been a special advisor to the office of uh, president of Afghanistan. The list doesn't end here. His work has been published in more than eight countries, including USA and UK. His articles appear in uh, major newspapers like the Hindu regularly and frequently. And, uh, and very, very interestingly, again, he's running a practice right now from Cambridge in the Supreme Court of India via video conferencing. So, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited to have you on board, uh, Aditya, sir. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for calling me, in fact. Right. Uh, so, sir, wow. I mean, what, what a story. If, if you could begin by providing us a snapshot of how did it all happen and from there we can get into the specifics so how did you go from mumbai university to cambridge and did all of that in between and then we can take it up from there well it's been quite a journey and um, i've i've met very very nice mentors and uh, on the way so i have also been lucky to a great extent I wouldn't say that, you know, it's all about me. It's about the people you meet who make your journey uh, memorable and sweet. So for me, I come from a lawyer's family. My parents are solicitors in Mumbai. And um, I always grew up amongst the books and amongst the law. So law was always something I uh, really cherished. And um, I always tell this and that uh, it, may, it may annoy my parents, but uh, that the reason I took up law was not seeing my parents, but I was very influenced by Mr. Jaitley. Arun Jaitley. Okay. So I would idolize him uh, even as a sixth and seventh grader. And uh, there was this time in the Supreme Court when my father used to brief him. At times, my father would, uh, when he is a solicitor, so when he had matters from Mumbai, he has briefed Mr. Jaitley in the past. And um, he, uh, for Mr. Jaitley, my father once told him that my son is a great admirer of yours. So Mr. Jaitley must have presumed that uh, the solicitor's son must either be a lawyer or at least a law student. And he was very surprised to know that I was just in seventh grade. Oh. So uh, yes, addressing your point, question, uh, my interest in law and public policy uh, cumulatively come uh, because of my uh, Mr. Jaitley being my idol and inspiration. So I always uh, saw law and public policy on a macro prism as a way to change societies or bring large scale changes rather than, you know, having a microscopic approach. Um, so uh, I, I had gotten admission in a national law school, in fact, when I gave my class. 
but i chose to remain in mumbai the reason being that i wanted to the law is such a field that it cannot simply be seen from an academic prism and coming from a lawyer's family we know that uh, a month or two months of internship is never enough so for me i would uh, since my first year itself uh, while studying uh, law in mumbai university i would also concurrently work for my parents or any other law firms where you know we my parents were having friends or otherwise so it would not be very regimented but it would keep uh, it would ensure that i keep kept getting exposure to the law since the very beginning and uh, the break for me came uh, in my second year of law so i uh, was i was uh, i wrote a letter to the speaker of the lok sabha along with a friend of mine uh, requesting her for an internship the background to this is very interesting so um, i met uh, i met mr mr justice chandrachud mr justice dy chandrachud uh once when i was in my second year of uh, first year of law i think the first year of law was uh, getting over and uh, we asked his opinion as to how we should structure our internship so justice chandrachud said that it would be nice if you follow a top bottom top down approach in the sense that first uh, understand how the law is uh, made so try to get exposure to the policy side that how policies are made how laws are drafted what goes behind uh, what ultimately comes in bare act and after that you should maybe you know take up more judicial internship so he suggested that you know you could maybe apply to a think tank like vidhi center for legal policy or prs legislative legislature um for me and my friend at that point it was a very interesting time that we thought that let's think a little audaciously because we beggars are not losers so if there is anything you can only gain you cannot lose and uh, we just wrote a letter to the speaker of the lok sabha and uh, i mean i don't know what we were thinking we were crazy little young kids but uh, we just wrote a letter that we we would be obliged if we are uh, granted an internship and uh, never before had anyone interned in the indian parliament uh, since independence so we just took our chances in a way uh, and uh, as luck would have it uh, we were given the internship and we started interning there uh, we were put under the direct uh, supervision of one mr paul who was the joint secretary of the lok sabha back then and uh, mr call was again a very encouraging person he believed that a person's uh, potential is not somewhere connected with their age uh, people at a young age can do very big things and people at a big age may also make silly mistakes so he had a very democratic approach and we had the land acquisition act uh, that time which was a very contentious political bill for the modi government and mr call uh, had certain very strong views uh, on land acquisition and uh, for us for me particularly i had strong views myself but from the other uh, side which were not which were not in sync with mr call's uh, views and uh, we i presented those views to him at the risk of annoying you know my direct supervisor but there came his democratic approach that he uh, he appreciated it he told me to do further research on it come and i landed up coming out with a large volume of research after having studied respective state land acquisition laws and the entire history so it was a very lengthy process and mr call was impressed he never said more he was a person of few words and he said ke beta aap ek kaam kariye aap isko ek memorandum banaiye main aapko format deta hu is hisab se aap apna research banaiye 
आप रिसर्च पेपर ही समझिए आप ये फॉर्मेट बनाने की कोशिश करिए कोई प्रॉब्लम नहीं तो आई डिट नो वॉट इट वॉज पार्ट ऑफ द इंटर्नशिप हैशिप आई केम बैक टू बॉम्बे आई एम फ्रॉम मुंबई बाय द वे सो आई केम बैक टू मुंबई एंड सडनली लो एंड बी होल्ड आफ्टर अबाउट अ मंथ आई गेट अ कॉल फ्रॉम सम वन सेंग दैट आदित्य जी बोल रहे आई वॉज नेवर यू used to being called aditya ji so i realized it must be someone from delhi we in bombay don't speak this way and uh, he said that i am so and so so and so speaking from the lok sabha and uh, you had submitted a memorandum and the joint committee of land acquisition uh, consisting of 30 members of parliament 20 from lok sabha 10 from rajya sabha are interested in hearing your views in person so that was the moment for me when uh, i didn't i could not believe what he said but yes so i i i went to delhi with my colleague and um, uh, deposed before the joint committee we were originally granted 3 uh, minutes uh, and it lasted it went on i can say it so specifically 9 19 minutes uh, 40 seconds so they kept a timer okay and uh, we had everyone we had uh, you know from name the people and the mps were there sharad yadav uh, sharad pawar uh, bjp mps ministers it was it was a packed house Uh, Mr. Alu Walia was there from BJP, a senior MP, and um, uh, Mr. Mohammad Salim, in fact, from the oh. Communist Party of India. Just he kept quiet all throughout. Uh, many of our views were not in sync with uh, the left-leaning views. But again, he, when you know, you see in committees of parliament, uh, MPs are not politicians; they are MPs in the real sense. So uh, he appreciated those views, uh, and he uh, he just asked, "What is your age?" told this is our age this is my age and my colleague was younger to me so i am not the youngest i am the second youngest my colleague was a few months younger to me so yeah anyway so he said let it be let it be put on record that uh, these boys are the youngest indians to ever depose before a committee of parliament in legislative history and uh, all the members of parliament gave a commendation by uh, you know uh, banging the desk so that was a magical moment this was reported by around 400 papers in india and um, that gave me a wide so if you are asking how this journey started this is the point from where the journey started that uh, law was always there as a profession but the policy angle came from here and the contacts and the exposure uh, i got from that internship and this particular deposition has continued and i uh, still am associated with uh, many high offices and have worked on multiple policies so this is how it started fantastic sorry for the rather long reply to you no 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 uh, it was most interesting to know in fact uh, there's a valuable lesson in here for all the law students watching that uh, don't be afraid to take the plunge you don't know where it might lead you as as we saw from uh, sir's sto- as we got from sir's story um, so sir very interestingly uh, you mentioned that you know you prepared that voluminous report on the land acquisition laws and presently you do write a lot there's a lot of legal writing that you're doing your work appears in newspapers and so on and so forth so were you always interested in writing was this something that you did throughout law school or were there other interests what was it that you were doing in law school and do you think it has ultimately helped you with what you are doing presently it definitely has whatever i have done has definitely made the person i am so i i mean 
what i am is leading to what i do so definitely it has helped me uh, however i have not uh, i i never thought of writing to be honest and i was never a good orator as well so i was you know one of those timid kids in school who were you know who was bright but would always sit in the last bench a little diffident uh, underconfident uh, uh and i in fact had never spoken ever in public so i had not even uh, spoken in say you know those school assemblies we have so what happened for me is that uh, in the first year of law when i entered law college there was many fresher events which were happening so one of the so one of my professors there in law college she saw me and she felt that you know i should encourage this boy and i really owe it to her violet ma'am and uh, she called me over and she said why don't you participate in this debate and i did uh, i didn't perform very well let me tell you but it gave me the confidence to speak and uh, the expo- what i noticed is that while reading i could uh, formulate my thoughts better and then when i made notes of that that even helped me uh, you know present those points better and overcome a sense of diffidence or stammer or underconfidence whatever you call it so that made me somewhere feel that yes writing is helping but i never took it that seriously i uh, focused in my first year on improving myself as an orator so i participated in a lot of debates so in fact from my first year to second year of law i uh, participated and won or i participated maybe 20 or so and i won 15 national and international debates so that really helped me a lot uh, in overcoming many fears and uh, you know diffidence which you call it uh, then uh, when i met justice chandrachud in fact he uh, suggested that you must write so his logic was this and this is something i like to tell all law students that if you write better you will speak better mm. so writing and speaking are not disjunctive they are conjunctive you write you read you research you uh, understand how to identify the most important points you write them down so you have made it even crisper and then it is very easy to just speak what you have written so essentially uh, that Uh, after, so my first two years were dedicated towards debates. I didn't focus on moots. Uh, I somewhere my view was this. What I observed was that uh, in India we have a disproportionate focus on moot courts. Yeah. But in in abroad you have more focus on research papers and debates. So um, I thought of you know rather trying to mold myself in an international uh, fashion. That like I, I didn't have any logic. I was just saying that okay maybe people across major universities. are more focused on debates and writing there must be some logic behind it let me do it read with the fact that justice chandrachud had also said ki try to write so i started a law blog so initially uh, no one publishes your articles in india particularly we don't have a very democratic system True. so for me i think first two years was always i used to write it was like writing in my diary and publishing it on my blog uh so after that you know slowly slowly you get a break and maybe you publish in a law school blog and then you you know grow further and the speak, the lok sabha experience really helped me because it put me in touch with very good people and uh, that gave me some degree of credibility for them to consider publishing my articles right so that's how it started the first two years were for debates then i started focusing on research papers for around one one and a half year so from second year to around uh, third year uh, end of third year and then onwards i focused more on uh, articles and uh, blogs because for me then the objective was different the objective was to get my views across to a wider audience 
रिसर्च पेपर विल ऑलवेज बी राइट ओनली बाय अकेडमिशियन न्यूज पेपर मे बी राइट बाय एवरी वन सो दैट्स हाउ आई स्ट्रक्चर इट एंड आई लेव द डिबेटिंग देन विच इज समथिंग आई शुडेंट हैव डन बट आई कुड नॉट कोप अप विथ इट सो फर्स्ट टू इयर्स आई डिड माई शेयर ऑफ डिबेटिंग and then i shifted to research papers and then to articles and that's quite a story in fact uh, to all our viewers i will link some of sir's articles that i've read in the description and as law students all of us must read them because uh, they're really really effective and despite clear and despite their intensive legal uh, content they're accessible in my view even by those outside the legal fraternity uh, so sir you've also spent time at the supreme court working as a law clerk uh, tell us about that experience why when did you decide that this is something that you want to do and uh, how was that entire experience like so for me um, i i did my first internship in the supreme court in my third year of law with uh, mr justice kalifullah a judge from madras who was uh, who then came to the supreme court he was the chief justice of jnk and that experience was a very good experience so i saw that in the short 25 days i had i came across so many laws i came across so the breadth and length of law and uh, i don't think in any other internship i would have come across that and i always wanted to practice as a counsel so i thought it's better to get acquainted with this entire system and uh, that made me clear in the third year itself that i want to do an llm but before i do an llm i want to do a clerkship not because the clerkship for many people has nowadays become a route towards a llm right but for me the clerkship was a route in itself which i wanted to do and the llm was something which i wanted to do they were disjunctive again as i say so uh, that made me uh, you know desire to go to the supreme court again that's a story uh, getting a clerkship these days is not uh, you know the simplest of processes especially for you know for someone like me who comes from bombay and you know was no, not so called connected hmm. with the delhi uh, legal fraternity so that's another story <laughs> right uh, there's some sunlight falling on my face now i don't know how to <laughs> take care of that uh, anyway we'll just have to uh, live with it so right uh, sir because uh, law the gods are shining on you <laughs> <laughs> well i hope that keeps happening <laughs> well uh, sir uh, since clerks one second just let me yeah we'll just manage like this for a while so so since clerkship has become you know increasingly popular and like you said that uh, a lot of students are using it as a vehicle for an llm even though that shouldn't be its primary purpose so if you could just tell us a little bit about what a regular work of a law clerk in the supreme court involves so that if any of our viewers are watching this are interested in taking up a uh, law clerkship they can gain from it and figure out what it actually entails see the clerkship is at the end of the day your master is your boss that is the judge and right. each judge is a different individual and they come from different backgrounds so i'll not name a judge but uh, i'll not name the judge but there was one particular judge who uh, i came across uh, and he uh, he didn't he was very surprised with this whole idea of a clerkship his his view was this ki are law samajhne mein humko hi 10 15 saal to lag gaye the to hum in bachcho se kya expect kar sakte ya ye bacche hame kya madad karenge kya karenge ye and he had in his long judicial career as a high court judge and later as a chief justice never had a single intern in his life never had he ever experienced what it is to have a young mind in amongst you so uh, there can be judges like these 
but again this particular judge who i am referring to was a very open minded person so his his clerks were having one of the best experiences possible so it again now what i am trying to get at is that it depends from judge to judge so for in particular if i refer to my experience uh, my experience will be very different from say another judge's clerk's experience but my experience was a very very enriching experience and uh, justice saran the judge i was with he virtually treated me like a family member and uh, it was a very very uh, he in fact took me in a democratic fashion so uh, the clerkship exam just to clarify to possible candidate there is a clerkship exam but uh, the number of students chosen from that exam are very less maybe 3 or 4 you know very 5 or 10 maximum right. and the vacancies are a lot so although there is a rule that um, a discretionary quota that is the judges choice will be restricted to xyz candidates the supreme court is the supreme most no one is above them so judges more often than not uh, the judges more often than not uh, prefer to take people from their own uh, choosing by looking at their cv or through reference or otherwise rather than the exam so i will strongly advise people who are considering a clerkship to focus on their academics but also focus on making themselves appear different so that you know your profile stands out when say you are competing with maybe a nepotistic individual or maybe you know someone who's just getting it easily so for me in fact uh, justice saran was a very democratic person he uh, he chose in a very democratic fashion i didn't get in through the clerkship exam route i had a, i had a, uh, i had in fact uh, made applications to around all the 31 judges of the supreme court and had uh, sent it by hard copy post okay. not through an email hard copy post through all their addresses and uh, uh, i ultimately got selected by uh, three judges but i justice saran was the first one to choose me so i had to go to him and it was a wonderful experience so my daily schedule consisted of so the first uh, in fact the first uh, one month i was the first two months i was the only law clerk and justice saran was a new judge appointed to the supreme court so he was figuring his way out through the you know the entire structure of the indian supreme court uh, because see for a supreme court judge also you must understand that they were the chief justices of their courts they were the boss and then they come in an area where everyone is, was a chief justice or everyone was a boss so he was figuring himself through and i was figuring myself along with him so we both were you know there for each other sir was there for me i can't say i was there for him but we had a lot of personal time because of that uh, that time where both are trying to figure themselves out we had a lot of personal interaction and uh, sir would give me he would say ki so one thing which i think almost all clerks do is they prepare a synopsis or a brief of the entire slp uh, so the thing is our judges are saddled with work monday to friday they are having at least 50 to 60 uh, slps a day monday friday wow. so they need someone to you know reduce it content to the most brief possible point without losing the essence of the law so that is one thing which i did it took time so many a times uh, sir would get upset he like ye kya hai ye to bakwas hai you know that i mean how does this help me but it is these type of scoldings which you know make you in fact uh, focus towards drawing the essence out of 50 pages or 100 pages and anyone interested in litigation per se would have a wonderful experience because you would learn how to read say i on an average read 500 pages a day so it was a new thing for me 
I initially used to take, you know, a lot of hours, say 10 hours, for example. Then through experience and practice, it became four hours. So I, you know, you get to learn what exactly you have to read and what is the essence of the law, what is the essence of the point being conveyed. And you realize at the end of the day that you don't need these voluminous pages. There is no dispute in the world, which in my opinion, cannot be expressed in 20 pages maximum. No dispute in the world. So this is an experience you will have of making synopsis, but pointed synopsis. And you can pepper it up with your uh, own you know, understanding of the law. And uh, maybe if some research you have done to guide the judge towards this. So this was one thing which I did. Second was briefing the judge. So once I have prepared the synopsis, uh, there would be some cases which, which would require more extensive deliberation. So I would say present it to him as if I am the lawyer that I would, you know, present the side and the judge would hear me out as if he's a senior counsel. So it became, so this has helped me in my profession now that when I brief senior lawyers, that experience of preparing a note and then briefing the judge is the same thing which I do with a senior counsel. This is one thing. Then I had, I also prepared a lot of speeches, um, as in draft speeches, he would ultimately finalize it and he would add his own points. But draft speeches which he gave to the... Uh, so Justice Saran is a very academic uh, judge. I think our internet connection... So internet is fine? Yeah, there's some lag, but it's, uh, it's fine. I mean, I can hear you. The audio is quite clear. Audio is clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, Justice Saran is a very, was a very, is a very academic uh, judge. And uh, he would be called for a lot of conferences, which, you know, not all judges would be called for. So he was called to the Egyptian Supreme Court wow. for its Golden Jubilee celebration. Then he was called, uh, I, I, I forget what exactly it was, but again, a very big international uh, judges uh, meet where he say met, you know, judges from at least 50, 60 countries. So those kind of speeches or he would very, he was a, he's an authority in tax law. So he would be called for these all India tax conferences and uh, things like these. Again, he had done pioneering work in access to justice and digitization of Odisha High Court when he was chief justice there. So he would be called for these, uh, dig you know, access to justice and how to uh, electronize uh, Indian judiciary, which we never knew would become a reality so soon. Right. And I am a beneficiary of that. So a lot of those speeches uh, and draft pointers, I would prepare research and then he would have it that you miss this point, you miss that point because he was an authority on those subjects. So a learning experience that way. Then um, if there were say, if there were say uh, judgments reserved, which he had to write. Right. So then he would, he would say that prepare a pointer or a note on this particular aspect of the law and how it has developed. So things like this, it's a very academic and very practical. It's, you know, it's, this is the only job you can get where you marry academia and you marry uh, practice in one thing. And it's very good for litigation. Right. So thank you so much, sir, for that really, I mean, descriptive uh, overview of what a judicial clerkship entails. Uh, now in this segment, I want to talk about your uh, decision to move to Cambridge. What, wh why, why did you think that, you know, doing an LLM is, is important for you? And uh, uh, what was the entire application process like? And how is it like going from Mumbai University yeah. to Cambridge? The, the question is, was it my decision to come to Cambridge? 
or that I got lucky and Cambridge called me and I obviously would go to Cambridge. Who doesn't? Cambridge <laughs> is Cambridge. Uh, but yes, <laughs> answering uh, your question, uh, uh, the LLM was always on my mind. In fact, uh, the LLM was the LLM and the Rhodes Scholarship in particular was uh, my uh, objective since the second year of law itself. Mm-hmm. So it was always a piped a dream to do the LLM. But then over over the years, I realized that you know a clubship and and some practical experience will enhance my LLM experience, which is why I chose to apply a little later than uh, what I would have. I would have ordinarily applied just out of law college, but uh, I chose to get the work experience. It's very different. The system here is very different. So say for example, like I can't obviously describe it all in this short interview. Of course. But. Um, uh, Say in our law colleges, we have a system. Traditional universities. I'm not. I don't know about law schools. We have a system where you have a very rote learning based approach. Mm-hmm. You have. Uh, you will just attend the lecture so that you get the requisite attendance so that you are allowed to give the exam. Right. But here, here you have here before the lecture you have to do pre readings. So these pre readings last you say on an average I have to read at least five hours a day. At least I'm using the word. For uh, five to six d- uh, days in a week, to prepare for the lectures that I'll attend in the coming week. So you have a lot of, and here again there is a difference in approach. In India, we have you know unfortunately become adept at you know rote learning. There is a ratta maro. Uh, in uh, Cambridge, you will have say 500 pages. You cannot expect to remember all of it. You have to understand the context in which it is going. So it's more about understanding and absorbing principle, than uh, than just simply learning. And this is why this is why I say that uh, if you have some work experience, then you know exactly how to draw context from those things, rather than you know focusing more on the hangover which you had of the education system which we've been exposed to. A very dis- different setup. Having said this, there are many similarities also. So uh, in India, especially in traditional universities like mine, we are assessed only in the final uh, final exam. Like yeah. the final exam is all that you will be assessed in. In Cambridge, again, that is the system because of the commonality between UK and India. Um, whereas in say US colleges, you would have more of a regular assessment uh, process. Regarding the application process, it's very simple. I'll do disservice by uh, telling it to you on uh, video, but. Whatever is on the website is all that it is. You have to follow it to the T. Uh, now, from that, I draw specificities. That say you have an SOP to write. So, in 500 words or so, you express uh, uh, what are your reasons to apply. Now, when you do this, you have to make it very personalized. You cannot, uh, you know, you cannot say I did X Y Z. For that, you have the CV. So they ask you for a CV, and you have that CV for that. So they know what you have done. So your SOP cannot be a repetition of what you have done. They look at what you have felt during that uh, experience, what your experience was, what that got you thinking, what uh, it, I mean, what you thought you should do because of that uh, experience. So it's it's the SOP is more about what you feel, what you thought, what you drew, rather than what you did. For what you did, you have the CV. For the SOP, this is essentially what it is. So it's a very personal thing. I mean, everyone's SOP is very different. Um, and then you have letters of recommendation. So for Cambridge, uh, Cambridge has a very strong focus on academia. So they will take only letters of recommendation from your professors in law college, howsoever senior you are in the profession. So say even if you have, uh, I mean, if you say 
if if uh, any say senior counsel is there he wants to now do a llm in the supreme court in the in llm in cambridge he would have to go back to his professors really so it's oh. not about uh, a yeah it's not about your professional experiences in cambridge it's all about your academia okay so for me luckily there i had one professor in particular who was teaching me as well as a legal practitioner in bombay with whom i landed up working on a few cases so he could bring in some of my professional experiences because of being exposed to it again your referee or your the person who gives you an lor has to write what you have done with him he cannot say acha acha bachcha bahut acha hai usne ye kiya wo he has to see what his experiences of you were so you have to be very choosy in this and not mess it up by trying to impress see one thing you must realize whatever you do in your life a cambridge professor is not going to be impressed in your application he has to see if you are worthy enough or capable enough to study or वो इम्प्रेस नहीं होने वाले सो यू वन वन थिंग एवरी वन शुड गेट आउट ऑफ दर की मैं इसको इम्प्रेस करूंगा सी वॉट कैन यू डून क्लर्कशिप यूनाइटेड नेशन देपल यूर हुर्क इन यू एन फॉर टेन फिफ्टीन ईयर्स एंड आर नाउ बिकमिंग स्टूडेंट यू कैन नेवर कम्पीट विद दो पीपल सो यू हैव टू जस्ट ट्राई एंड शो दैट दिस इज माई एरिया ऑफ इंटरेस्ट आई ड्रू दिस एरिया ऑफ इंटरेस्ट बिकॉज ऑफ एक्सपाइज एट एक्सपीरियंसिस probably in childhood i had laid down, so in uh, film industry they call something called as foreshadowing right. that they show a scene they uh, say there is a they show a child sitting in a theater and he is looking at amitabh bachchan's movie and then they show ke yahi yahi ladka picture mein actor ban gaya so that's a foreshadowing that you know you see what he's do in the future or say young kids are there they hold the pen and they write they become authors so they if you can do some foreshadowing of what you were in childhood and how that somewhere is it is interwoven you know how your all your entire life is a story so i'll suggest to anyone who applies for the llm they read one uh, uh, see the speech of uh, steve jobs uh, um, it is called connect the, connecting the dots right he gave this as a commencement speech at stanford and uh, he showed how all things he did in his life he didn't know at that time were connected but they landed up being connected so uh, if anyone sees that they'll get an idea of what you are looking at in an sop apart from this transcripts your rank again cambridge is very focused on marks so a minimum first class maybe you should be in your top 5% of your batch so cambridge is very very academia oriented right no so thank you so much for such a comprehensive overview in fact uh, i had intended the second part of my question to be around uh, how students who are not from a very reputed college they, they generally feel that we can't make it so i wanted to ask you about that but i think you've covered basically that is bullshit that is bullshit <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you that uh, this uh, degree of you know inferiority or uh, this degree of you know uh, indirect caste system in the indian uh, legal education system where say you are having uh, law schools as brahmins and all of us from law colleges as dalits or shudras is bullshit these are the words i can use reason being that uh, at the end of the day what they look at is how you as an individual are so we are we've had uh, so many people uh, in fact so many supreme court judges who have studied from colleges which were not considered very good back then also uh, it is about what you make of your uh, time so let me tell anyone who's seeing this if anyone does i mean from the law colleges that uh, 
don't ever think that you are in any way possible inferior to a law school having said this i have no resentment against law schools in fact my best of my friends are from law schools and uh, but you have a distinct advantage for anyone who's in litigation that if you're in a traditional university you get more time on your side so for me agar main apna example do that i uh, would if i was in a law school i would possibly never have gotten a chance to win 15 uh, debates national international debate um i mean leave alone participating participate also i would not have been able to do there is such fierce competition uh, or i would not have been able to work while i was studying so always focus on your strengths there are no weaknesses just strengths so focus on your strengths and build on them and never let anyone uh, because why i am saying this so passionately is that when i i mean even i have been a first year law student second year law student even i have met people from uh, law law schools so what happens is that for a first second year law school student versus a law college student both have given the clat maybe one succeeded one didn't succeed uh, both are ultimately kids when you are i am 25 so i'm not no old man either but uh, say when you are 18 19 year old you can be immature you know you may say are you know maine ye kiya maine wo kiya and they tend to put you down uh, without them being ill intentioned they are also kids you are also kids but what happens to the mind of a child a kid as a young law college student is that they feel inferior and not everyone is uh, strong or having right mentors to say ke are this is all nonsense so it lands up leaving a mark on your mind and you may make decisions which uh, in the third fourth fifth year which matter based on those uh, silly experiences which you had so i will just request everyone you know with folded hands that don't let anything come in between your aspiration it's all your competition is always between you and yourself not with anyone else so many people uh, need to be told this and myself included so i uh, really thank you for that that message and uh, so and now we're moving towards the final set of questions uh, so sir you are uh, conducting your independent practice from cambridge via video conferencing so how has that experience been take us through that how has it been for you well um, so firstly it's it is a little hectic naturally uh, but luckily i am a junior counsel so i am not having day to day matters say i would have uh, i would have say maybe two or three matters in a week maximum so it's manageable because of that again um, it doesn't feel any different from how it was in india because of the 6 months preparatory time that we had so i was in delhi and then uh, the pandemic happened and i moved back to mumbai to be with my parents the uh, the online system started so one got acquainted with how to you know appear or argue while being behind a computer so now you know the the background here is the room of a cambridge student right it may be the it may be a room in mumbai also so <laughs> it doesn't make any difference in that sense time zone is a factor i have yeah. to wake up very early so when i have matters i have to wake up at say 4 am british time yeah uh, so that's a challenge um, um uh, otherwise it's very it, it's not at all an issue i mean it's for me especially i'm a junior counsel so my most of my work consists in either arguing myself or briefing a senior so most say if i am briefing a senior most of my work is done during the briefing i have briefed him he's prepared 
it's not the traditional old court system where i can you know prove him sir sir you know i can't do that so i have to just be a passive attendant half of the times and when i am arguing i have done my reading and i just wake up and argue it's very i mean any specific question you have i think i have not made myself specific no 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 in fact i this was indeed an abstract question it was more uh, towards the experience you know because uh, i believe the readings and like you did mention the readings in cambridge can be quite extensive and exhaustive so to manage litigation work with that so uh, that's that's quite an experience luckily luckily for me luckily for me i have a very good support system so in delhi also i have you know a couple of close friends seniors and friends uh, in fact one of whom you interviewed last time uh, panjal who you know who really uh, helped me out with my work without these and my parents again are lawyers so a lot of the work which is time consuming you know which which uh, ordinarily uh, would take small small things that is handled by my parents office or uh, same time say i i cannot draft something which is important drafting is very important for a junior so i have someone other the supporting me that support is there without which it would not be possible to manage both right and uh, so sir uh, in with the final question and this is something that i've asked uh, almost everyone who's been on the podcast so far now i i love reading books most of my learning comes from books uh, are you f- fond of reading uh, do you enjoy reading if yes what are your you know top 3 books that you feel every lawyer or law student should read well um, i would say that there are three which come to my mind uh, roses in december is something which you must read right it is a must it is it is just a must i mean if you if a law student has not read roses in december then he is not a law student i am saying very strong statement <laughs> then um, one read books <laughs> one could read books related to lord denning right. so whatever you get on lord denning just pick it up kuch bhi ho just pick it up even if it's a case which he because he is i think one of the most distinguished uh, jurists india has ever seen again uh, i would also suggest uh, what can i suggest yes you can if you look at someone more contemporary then you can read uh, mr uh, nariman's uh, autobiography uh i i forget the name but mr before fali nariman's autobiography that is before memory fades yes my memory uh, faded while saying this. <laughs> but uh <laughs> you should read that and uh, there are many books i can suggest there are many many books but these uh, three are which something i definitely recommend and uh, you could also maybe read books written by uh, k m munshi which is something which most people have not come across so uh, mr munshi was a freedom fighter a distinguished lawyer member of the constituent assembly of india and a literary figure so many of his legal analysis are married with literature so it's very interesting and this is something which many people don't uh, you know recommend i don't know if you heard of mr k m munshi i haven't he is no. you know one of those icons is is one of those icons who have with time faded into into history but uh, his book you should definitely great uh, thank you so much sir and i think with this we can kanaiya lal kanaiya lal munshi right right uh, and i think uh, with this we can come to an end of this conversation thank you so much uh, aditya sir for uh, being on the show it was really a privilege to 
speak with you and a lot of lot of great insights thank you once again thank you for calling me yes.